Hello everybody, welcome to the Tuesday Toolbox Meeting of Adult Children of Alcoholics in Cobble Hill, Brooklyn. My name is Anne, I'm a Tuesday Toolbox member and an adult child. We're recording our speakers every week because we're hoping others will benefit from hearing these stories from our members. We'd love to hear your comments and questions. Our email address is TuesdayToolboxACA at gmail.com. Adult Children of Alcoholics is a 12-step program of recovery for people who grew up in an alcoholic or otherwise dysfunctional home. If you'd like to find a meeting to attend, go to adultchildren.org and click on Meetings. This week we're hearing from Maria, who spoke about her experience with grief work. Please enjoy. Hi. Um, okay, not bad. Uh, my name is Maria. I am an adult. I'm a really nervous adult child. My hands are sweaty and like pulsing. Um, this is the first face-to-face -face meeting I have been in since um, the pandemic started. Um, so this is really, really cool and beautiful and scary. Um, I want to thank Monique for um, reaching out and uh, saying, hey, um, there is a Tuesday meeting that I have attended for a number of years that I would normally be at. Um, I, I come to this meeting rather infrequently. Um, Ooh. So I'm going to start out with a little bit about my own experience in the program because um, I, it, I think it provides meaningful context for other readings in uh, the book. Um, I came to ACOA before there was a red book um, where it was just freestyling and we were just figuring it out. and. Um, and there was something really cool about that. There was no dogma. I mean, and not that that's dogma, but I could turn anything into dogma. Um, and so I loved that when I first got here, um, and that was, well, I first came to 12-step recovery uh, in 1987. Um, I've been in recovery since then. Um, and ACOA was huge then huge um and when um i came back sort of like really said oh this is a program i really need it was like 1997 1998 um there were a really really limited number of meetings uh happening um but i actually um started going to a wednesday uh, lunchtime meeting. I was working in the World Trade Center. Um, I was in my late 20s. I'd been in recovery for like 10 plus years in a substance-related uh, uh, program, and I was so uncomfortable in my own skin. And like, I my I have a a friend in uh, in uh, ASOA who is. Uh, our, our stories are similar. She's also in a substance program. Like, my recovery, like, I became the hero on steroids. 
Like, I spent 10 years, my first 10 years in substance recovery, um, like, making up everything I thought I had done wrong. I went to unbelievably good schools. I worked for a brand name employer. You know, like, I, you know, like, it looked good. Um, and it was just like, I was so sad and scared, and I remember reading um, The Laundry List, and, and, and just feeling so, uh, you know, that shock of recognition, um, and just so much sadness. So much sadness that, like, despite the fact that I had been working so hard, um, I was still so, um, Yeah, powerless over this stuff. Um, I spent a few years in ACOA, um, and what we did then was we had uh, the laundry list, and my first ACOA home group had a different version of the laundry list. It's actually really cool. Um, the sequence is different, and a couple of the traits are a little bit uh, different. Um, we had the solution, and it was a little bit different, too. Um, and we had the bill of rights. Um, we didn't have the steps, um, or there wasn't an emphasis on the steps. And I bring that up because I did a lot of what I think in the book is called discovery, where it's like naming and identifying and seeing, but, um, but the commitment to actually coming to ACOA came, uh, coming back, um, was in my late 40s, um, never, you know, always stayed in other recovery, but this was elusive. Um, this was really easy to, um, to lose, this awareness. Um, and I hit a, I hit a bottom. Um, well, I had a protracted bottom, probably starting in 2010, extended through 2016, 17. Um, I went through a layoff at a job where basically my hero was rejected. The false self I had cultivated so carefully was rejected, and then I was just screwed um, because my false self got rejected. Like the real self had been in hiding for decades, and the false self that I was working so hard to maintain, they were like, no. And other people I got laid off with, um, they, they found their mojo in no time. I imploded. Hmm. And I could not, like, I would have panic attacks about looking for a job. Um, and I mean, like, I, I, I went to graduate school in a field that you don't, that people generally don't get full rides in, or even financial assistance, I got a full ride. Like, and I say that only to say like, you know, my hero worked so hard, and I speak about the hero um, separately because I'm not super integrated with my hero. I'm really not. Um, so, uh, 2016, 2017, my daughter's um, experiencing horrible health problems, really, really horrible. Um, I'm, my life, you know, my life is falling apart. 
Um, my father had died the year before that. Um, and I came back here and, um, and I really held on. I really, really, really held on. And I had false starts with the fellow travelers group. And then I found a group of people. And um, when I walked in today, I saw someone I love very much who was part of that experience. And, um, and what I will say is that the, you know, doing the work with the fellow travelers group um, was just, uh, was just transformative really, really transformative. Um, and I went from being someone who sort of primarily identified in another program to viewing this as primary and central um, in my life. Um, and so I, I, that's how I feel about this program now. Where's my Kindle? Oh, there we go. All right, sorry. Um, and one thing I really like about this program is um, it's not all tied up in a neat bow at the end of step 12. Mm. I really like that a lot. Um, this is not a neat, clean program. Um, and, uh, and the topic that I wanted to um, address um, was grief work and grief um, and there is a really great section um, at the end of step five in chapter seven um, and it's actually it's, it's a pretty substantial section um, the damn part that I wanted to read um, begins in the physical book on page 201 um, while grief can be perceptible through writing and talking about our memories, some grief is not always visible. We indirectly address our childhood losses each time we attend an ACA meeting and listen to the experiences of other adult children. We also address our grief each time we work a 10-step inventory or practice an 11-step meditation. Our experience shows that grief is there between the lines and the thoughts waiting to be released. Emotional release and meditating on what we have lost are certainly part of addressing grief, but there is more. With step five, we are ready to remove deeper layers of the onion, which is analogous to our recovery journey. We are removing layers of shame and despair to find our true selves. We began peeling back layers of the onion in step one with the admission of being powerless over the effects of family dysfunction. Just as an onion can bring tears, our grief fork will help us find our tears. Our experience shows that grief is often stored in our minds and bodies, waiting to be purged when the time is right. We understand that grief is cumulative, which means that which means all the neglectful and shaming acts of our past are piled up. We had not forgotten them as we had thought. Our bodies remember, our minds remember our inner child knows. In addition to addiction or depression, many of our members believe grief helps fuel our compulsive acts of cleaning, perfectionism, sex, binge eating, work, and gambling. Addressing grief is not self-pity. I'm gonna reread that one. Addressing <laughs> grief is not self-pity. 
Self-pity is a refusal to accept real help while clinging to denial and a dead way of life. Seeking our grief is an honest effort to go inward to find the God of our understanding waiting there with release. To place a foot on the path of grief work, we need a balanced view of who we are and what happened to us. We cannot come to grief work weighing in too heavy as a victim or weighing too light as the hero tribe. The victim aspect of our personalities can take the road of self-pity and refuse help. The hero believes he or she or they uh, has placed uh, childhood abuse in the past and is no longer affected by such memories. We must avoid these two paths if we are to accurately identify and purge our grief. Um, so yeah. Um, how am I doing for time? Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Four minutes. <laughs> 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 short share, no time. No worries. Um, <laughs> so, uh, so I was thinking about this reading this morning. Um, because I also ran into um, someone else from our fellow travelers group last Friday, and we were talking uh, about grief. And I mean, literally, like, ran into her on the street. She's like, hey, hey. Um, and the dignity of grief, and how important it feels to make space for grief as part of my life, not in a um, look at my grief or you know I'm fixated on my grief, but just sort of like it's here, it's always here, um, and and I don't mean like and it's gonna be with me forever, <laughs> um, <laughs> but like I respect it, I respect it, like. I haven't talked about my childhood. Like you'll notice, I've like talked around that. Um, I grew up with um, I grew up with an untreated schizophrenic parent um, who, you know, yeah. I will. I think it's it's okay to say he was insane. Um, and I li- and I grew up in a family where. Everyone danced around the fact that he was insane. Um, he tried to kill my cousin. Um, he, I mean, literally, physically, violently. Um, he believed um, he had a religious obsession. Um, he was fixated on Satan and um, would talk to me for five hours at a time when I was a kid. Like, this was when he would notice me. A lot of the time I could, like, hide and, and go beneath the radar and not be seen. Um, but sometimes I'd have to interact with him. He lived with my grandmother. He couldn't support himself. Um, and so, you know, I can just remember one night where we were up until 5 a.m. where he was sitting there ranting about the devil and Satan and my cousin being aligned with uh, evil spirits and... Um, and I would 
hang out with him because I thought it was gonna, like we were gonna be able to become close. Um, and, and you know, that's, you know, that's just touching the surface. Um, I have, uh, my mom is um, someone who, my sister and I have concluded is on the autism spectrum. And um, one minute, thank you. Um, and somewhere around age ten, both my sister and I realized like the lights are on, but no one's home. Um, in terms of like navigating adult situations, she was not going to be able to help us, and she wasn't going to be able to see what was going on or validate it or acknowledge her, her inability. Um, or rather we would be punished because um, we were making her uncomfortable. Um, and in terms of sort of like the lingering effects in my life, you know, now I just walk, I walk around with a lot of heartbreak. Mm. And it's real, you know, like becoming a parent, um, Ooh, yeah. It has been anything but carefree. Um, you know, I, 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 I will wrap up. Um, grief is cumulative, and it's here and it's now. And when I make space for it, there's space for me to also have a life here and now that is um, really rich and, um, and new and fresh. So uh, with that, thanks.